Today is Brave Day, and um, we didn't really know what that meant, to be honest. I thought, let's just call it Brave Day, because it's so generic. It can, you know, it can be Brave Day. I don't know. And then we'll see what happens. That's basically what Brave Day meant. We'll see what happens. And so this week was preparing, trying to figure out, God, what do you want to say? Talk to some people and had a thought that maybe, just maybe, like, we'll just let Jesus do whatever he wants to do. And as the closer I got up until even last night as I was praying, I felt like God gave me a few scripture verses to teach on. And I'll share those with you. And we'll let God do whatever God wants to do. But I'm going to get some announcements out of the way so I don't have to make it awkward on the back end. So first one, if you want to send your kids to VBS this year, uh, today's the last day you need to sign them up. Community groups, if you're part of a community group, all community groups are going to be suspended through the summer, and then we'll relaunch those coming in July, August. If you're interested in being a community group leader, email us, let us know, go by Brave Central, talk to D, and we'll get you all the information you need to help make that happen. We're going to go back to in-person, by the way, in the fall, assuming all things remain where they are. Uh, that's an update on community groups. If you brought your tithes and offering in, Praise God. Thank you for your obedience to him. All right, I think that's all the announcements. And if today's your first time, bear with us. We love you. We're glad you're here. We believe God has a plan for your life, and there's a reason you're here today. I think I wrapped up all my announcements. There it is. That was so much easier. All right. You have a Bible? You have your phone? I want you to grab a Bible, grab your phone. Download the Bible app real quick. If you don't have it, you can turn to Luke 18. That's where we're going to start. Luke 18. You there? You're so, you're so dependent. We don't have anything on the screen for you today. I could be lying to you, in other words. If you don't have your Bible, I think we got to get to bring our Bibles in church again. Amen. I love to hear the pages of the Bible turn. I know you love your phone. I'm okay with that, but at least bring your phone. Bible. Can we pray today? Jesus, we're not looking for anything but you today whatever you want to do, whatever you want to say. That's why we've come. So Jesus, we've come to worship you today. That's why your church gathers. Your presence is not in a building. Your presence is within your believing church. Those who follow you, your presence is with them. There are people today that are hiding in a cave and your presence is with them. Your presence is with those around our nation and churches that have staging and lightings and buildings and your presence is in the homes where people are putting you first and seeking after your presence. Thank you, Lord, that we get to go with your presence, that we get to travel with you, that you come with us 
and you don't separate yourself from us. Jesus, I pray today that your will would be accomplished. Let your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke 18. It says, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. Two interesting statements. Pray and never give up. As if Jesus knew there would be a point in time in his followers' lives where you would be praying and you would think about giving up. Jesus is very intentional, so if he's going to teach them to pray, remember he did that in Matthew 6 already, I'll show you how to do that, but here he's like, I don't want to just show you how to pray, I want to tell you that when you pray, don't give up in your prayers, because I know you're going to be tempted to give up in your praying. If prayer was powerless, if prayer was powerless, it would be easy to do. You should write that down. I'm going to give myself a lot of credit up here today sometimes. I'm like, that was really good. I have no notes today. So I might say some things that are occasionally good that thank you, Jesus, for that. And it's not glory to me, it's glory to him. But I want you to think about what I just said. If prayer was powerless, I think it'd be easy. But because it is powerful, it's difficult. How many of you struggle having a private time with the Lord every day? Like prayer time, you and Jesus. Raise your hand. Lift a high. So I want to see a lot of participation in the house today. All right. See how a point is prayer is so powerful that it's actually hard to do. So Jesus is aware it will not be easy for you to have a time with me. It's going to be difficult. So I want to teach you something. I want to teach you to pray and I want to teach you to never give up when you're praying because I know you're going to be tempted to give up praying it'll be so easy for you to spend a week two weeks a month will go by and you do not pray it'll be easy for you sometimes in life to go two, three, four, five months and you're not praying so I'm teaching my followers this lesson so that they don't give up praying that's the context that's just the first verse all right There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. So I want you to see this, that he is using this judge and he is going to kind of put him up against Jesus himself. Jesus does care for people. Jesus loves his father, but this judge doesn't fear God and he doesn't care about people. It says, a widow of the city came to him and repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. I wanted to highlight to you that the fight is against her enemy. Did you know when you pray, you're in a battle against an enemy? Did you know that? I want some participation, yes or no? Okay, good. So you're in a fight up against an enemy when you pray. You're battling against, you're disputing. And you're trying, when you're praying, by the way, you're trying to bring down what's in heaven to earth. So you're going after God's will and you're trying to bring it down. You're taking what's supernatural and bringing it into the natural. So prayer is trying to tap into the supernatural to bring down into the natural. 
Therefore, when you pray, it's like a fight. It's a battle. Ephesians 6, Paul would say the same thing. You've got to be ready to pray. When you're ready to pray, you've got to get ready to fight. And so she's got a dispute against an enemy, which I think is totally understandable for us because we're in a fight against an enemy all the time. And she's got this dispute. She goes to this judge. And I love what happens next. Verse 4, the judge ignored her for a while. But finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. She's wearing me out. When you look into the Greek text, the phrase wearing out is actually a term that was used for a black eye given by a boxer. In other words, it's likely that he's actually saying, I'm fearful of this woman because she's so persistent in her request to me that this girl's so crazy, she might show up next week and beat me up physically. Wearing me out was a physical term for a black eye. You ever met a woman who, like, she, she you know what she wants, what she's gonna, like, she's gonna get it. Do you, any men in the house have a, you know when your wife, have you ever had, seriously, you ever known a woman in your life that she's going to get what she wants and it's not going to get in the way? You ever been in a situation like that? Have you ever been scared of a woman? <laughs> Hal, have you ever been scared of a woman before? Yes, every day. <laughs> he said every day. No, he didn't say every day. You ever been scared of a woman before? 100% man, terrified. So, this girl's wearing me out. She might come and attack me physically, give me a black eye tomorrow. I'm going to have to do something about this because she won't stop with her constant request. Then Jesus says back, I want you to learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him this is important day and night cry out to him day and night just curious how often you cry out to Jesus you cry out day and night. I think many of our prayers today certainly don't sound like a fight. They sound more like check the box off. Jesus, would you help me today? Jesus, thank you today. Uh, thank you for the meal. Thank you for things. You're good. Close your eyes, bow your head. Silent. Just wonder what would happen to God's church, like his church, this church, his church, if we started to pray like we're actually in a fight. Just look differently. Like, what if you prayed so persistently? What if we never gave up? 
What if we prayed fervently in our prayers like Paul would write in Thessalonians where he says, pray on all occasions, 1 Thessalonians 5. Pray on all occasions. Pray without ceasing. How do you do that? How do you pray without ceasing? Is he like saying, don't ever go to work? Like don't ever eat, just stay on your knees and just keep praying? No, it says, I want you to pray continually is what the text says. Not continuously, it says continually. So I want you to pray in a state of mind, having a constant attitude of prayer. In other words, whenever you go out your doors, I want you to do this day and night. I want you to keep the attitude of communion with me. Remember that whenever you're driving off to work, you're in a fight. Keep your mind upon me. That is to take the mind of Christ upon you. Think about these things. Put the helmet of salvation on your head. Armor yourself. Go out daily and put your mind on me, not forgetting your necessity of me, not forgetting that you need to abide in me. Like, move daily with this in your mind. Jesus is teaching his followers, like he's teaching you and he's teaching me today, be persistent in your prayer. That's the first lesson I want you to learn. Be persistent in your prayers. Have you ever prayed and you you literally, in the moment of praying, fell asleep? Come on. Come on. See? You ever prayed for something? You didn't see it and you gave up on it. Gave up. Just gave up on it. You prayed for something and gave up on it. In the middle of a prayer... Have you ever prayed, and in the middle of your prayer, you start thinking about Taco Bell? What? You know, or I don't know. You start thinking about something you got to do that day. Have you ever done this? Yes, church? (laughs) You pray, and all of a sudden your mind is thinking about things, like just random things. And then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, 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 and then you're trying to get back. Can I tell you what's happening in that very moment? It's a fight. It's literally a fight. And so many times you get in the middle of that prayer scenario and your mind starts to go somewhere else. How many of you do this? You're in the middle of a prayer moment. Like, you're, I tell you, I'm going to pray, man. I'm going to get up early, get my coffee, I'm going to pray. Whatever that looks like for you. And then you just, well, let me check my phone real quick. You ever done that before? Raise your hand. Yeah. And you're like, well, but just, if I could declutter my mind from my emails or my, so how many likes did I get last night? You know, I don't know. You ever done that? Anybody ever, anybody ever woke up and the first thing they did was see how many more likes they had? I am, come on. Thank you. Thank you, Dan Storm. I called you out. So I know. They do it too, Dan. They do it too. Don't worry, man. You're not the only one. But, you know, you get up and you're trying to pray and all of a sudden you get to your phone. I just want you to see that prayer is a battlefield. And Jesus says, you're going to be tempted to give up when you're in communion with me. Today we're going to pray. And I want you to remember that when we pray today, There will be moments you'll be tempted to give up. You'll be tempted to give up, and I'm here to tell you, don't lose heart. Keep praying. Stay persistent. That's the first lesson I have for you. Okay, Matthew 21. 
You know it's real today when I'm reading from my Bible. All right, here we go. All right, it's good. I'm always reading from the Bible. You know, what is he always reading from? I told you, bring your Bible. I'm so thankful for those of you who do. All right, Matthew 21, verse 12. Jesus entered the temple and he began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves, little birds in cages. And Jesus walks in and he starts to kick the cages with birds. So mean. Did you ever know that Jesus tossed, I mean, you can imagine he's flipping some tables over. Some people say he grabbed a whip, you know, but these little birds are panicking. Can you see the scene? People are, what's, what's this guy doing, jumping in the temple, kicking stuff over? Jesus breaks into his church, this temple, and he says, the scriptures declare that my temple will be called a house of entertainment. Yeah, it's entertainment. It's what it says, entertainment. My house will be a house of great preaching. That's what it said. Great storytelling. Phenomenal music. <laughs> I love your participation level today. I know what it says, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, he says, my house is a house of prayer. Now, I want you to see this. He goes on to say, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. And I love verse 14. Well, let me just teach on this. All right, so you've got the people coming in to the temple and they're turning it into a market. And they're charging all this extra fees for sacrifices. Here's the point. They're literally preventing people from coming in to communion with God. That is in a communication with God, coming into prayer. And the church, the temple, the church has become something different than it was intended to be. The church was intended to be a place of prayer where the people coming into the building could pray and seek God and communicate with God. Not come in, sit down, watch a show, applaud, and go home. It would be a house of prayer. That's all he said. Church is supposed to be a place of prayer. And yet, I've been in ministry 14 years, so. Transparency, it doesn't always look that way. Truth is, I think for many people, if I said, let's just pray today, no one would say a word. Just be utter silence. And that's okay. You don't always have to be loud in prayer. I'm just saying I'm not convinced a lot of people would know what to do because we've become so codependent on what happens up here. 
I have no notes on this today. Tell you what I truly believe and what I see. House of prayer. What would happen if we just persistently prayed today? What if I just shut the mic off, had nothing to tell you, nothing to sing to you? What would you do? Only because I just told you. No, I'm telling you. You don't have to wait for my lead. You've already been told what to do. Jesus. Would you revitalize your church? Man, would you help us see you today? Would you help us to see you today? put a new church in our hearts a new vision in our hearts help us to see the church you see Jesus the text says that we're supposed to have a house of prayer And I love what verse 14 says. Watch what happens previously before they turned into a house of prayer and Jesus goes in. Watch what happens after Jesus enters his church. The blind and the lame came. The blind people and the lame people came to him in the temple and he healed them. The leading priest And the teachers of the religious law saw these wonderful miracles. I want you to notice that wonderful miracles occurred the moment Jesus entered the church. How many more miracles would we see in our churches if just Jesus showed up and we got out of the way? No, 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 no. We can't get out of the way because we got to have... The first song's got to be a song they can clap to because they got to get energy. Then the second song has to be sung a little softer, a little medium. Got to get in the groove of them. Then the third song is where it really happens. Then we got to play some laughing videos. And then we got to kind of like shape it all up and put some lightings on stuff. Then we got to deliver a message. It's like compact. Hey, try not to put it over a certain amount of time because, you know, I got lunch. And then, anyways... We just package this whole thing and we sell church. And what would happen if Jesus just showed up and we got out of the way? Whatever you want to do, Jesus, whatever you want to say. blind and the lame come, the leading priests and the teachers of religious law, they see these wonderful miracles, and look at this last line. Man, I fell in love when I heard this, when I read this, and heard even the children. 
even the children began shouting, praise God for the son of David. It was like it got to the adults and it just spread. And even the children were praising God, shouting. Children, if you haven't noticed, are not afraid to like be real and authentic. And then at some point they get older and they start getting scared what people think about them. Have you ever had a child say something? You're like, don't say that in public, you know, and you're like, no filter. I have four children and even my one-year-old still doesn't, he doesn't have a filter yet. Do your, anybody have a child that does not have a filter? You're like, no filter. He just, my son will wake up, doesn't comb his hair, doesn't brush his teeth. He'd wear his underwear to school if he could, you know, maybe. I mean, we're like, kid, just get some clothes on. Amen. See, even the children weren't afraid to cry out to God, Jesus, the son of David, thank God he's here. Man, this church is amazing. We're going somewhere with this. Follow me today. Ezekiel 33. Ezekiel 33. I've talked about persistence in prayer. I've talked about turning God's house into a house of prayer. And now I want to take you to Ezekiel 33. Do we have it on the screen? Is that the one we have? Yeah, okay, thank you. I'll read it off there. When I read this line about, I don't know, about a year and a half, maybe two years ago, I came across this passage somewhere in the midst of planning this church. And I felt like God downloaded something into my heart. And he told me, Ricky, I've given you this piece of my heart. Like, this is something I gave you that we kind of share in common. And this goes with where we're going today. Ezekiel prophet is looking at this church. They're trying to build this temple and reconstruct God's place, God's house. The Lord makes this statement with the prophet Ezekiel and it says, my people come to you as they usually do. I'm going to put in the words every Sunday. They come to you on most Sundays. They come to you on some Sundays. Actually in America, did you know the average attendance for a Bible-believing Christian in the American church is, ready? Here's how often Bible-believing Christians show up and attend their local church today. You ready for the average? Here it is. 1.3 times a month. So let's look at the text. My people come to you as they, well, sometimes do. As they occasionally do. Every once in a while, they do. They come to you, but when they do, they sit before you and they hear your words, Ricky. Like, they hear you, man. They hear you. Oh, they hear you. Sometimes they're like, please be quiet. We hear you a little too long. Like 41 minutes already. All right, for how long are we going to go today? You know, they hear your words, but they do not put them into practice. I mean, they show up to churches. They hear preachers preach. They laugh. Oh, and they applaud. Woohoo! So good. They even take notes. But they don't put them into practice. Their mouths speak of love. Oh, they talk about love. 
but their hearts are greedy for unjust gain. They just want more and more and more. They just think about themselves. There's so much selfishness. Man, their hearts are greedy for unjust gain. Indeed to them, you are nothing more. And this was the cry of my heart that I will never be to you. And our staff talked about this week, funny enough. Andrews talked about this this week. Indeed to them, you are nothing more than one who sings love songs. You ever been moved by a love song? What's the one from The Lion King? How does it go? How does it Can you feel the love tonight? You know that song? It is when we... Shall I keep going? It is where... We... Come on, here we go, Junior. All right. <laughs> we are... Miss... It was... I remember like being in eighth grade listening to that song on a CD, you know, and Elton John. All right. Man, they move you. Love songs move you emotionally. You sit in a church and you get moved emotionally. It's emotional. In fact, you get them moving emotionally with lighting, and with a beautiful voice. I'm going to share something on behalf of Andrews, who's on vacation this week, celebrating his anniversary with his wife. And, but I, we're talking this week, and he said, one of the compliments I hate to hear the most is how beautiful my voice is, because it makes me realize how you missed it. I know I just got real, but it's true. We're not here to put on a freaking performance for you. I'm not here to somehow entertain you. We're not. It's not why we're here. And he's got a beautiful voice. Who cares? You can watch American Idol and see lots of great voices if you want. But we're not here for our great voices and great sermons. think we've lost the way in many churches today. Man, did you hear she can sing? Oh, I love her singer. Man, they can sing. Missed the whole point. I'm not saying you can't compliment that, but don't miss the point. It's not a house of entertainment, church. It's a house of prayer. If you want to be entertained, go to a concert. not entertainment. It's a house of prayer. It's a house of worship. And we are not on the pedestal. We are not on the stage. It's pointing to Jesus. It's a core value at Brave. We put Jesus first. Always. He's first. Period. We glorify him. He's the only one who's worthy of praise. beautiful voice though and you play that piano so well and you <laughs> plays an instrument well I want you to see this look how thousands of years ago we still see the same struggle today in our churches man they, 
they hear the love song, they get moved emotionally, they applaud your voice. And man, you're like the person, man, you play those drums and that guitar. Wow, that tone on that guitar sounded so good. I have literally heard people compliment our guitar players on the tone of their instrument. I'm not knocking, it's good. I'm glad we sound good. I'd rather sound good than sound bad. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is we've got to fix our focus on Jesus. Dude, your tone, man, that reverb, bro. Spot on, Eric. You hit the reverb perfectly today. We found times in our churches to evaluate our church services by how well our production went. You see those lighting cues? Give me a lighting cue change, please. Watch this. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. Why do I feel like I'm about to sing a love song? <laughs> it got purple and pink. It's like, uh-oh. Where's Carissa? Okay. See, we changed the whole mood by lighting. I think we've been some, we're so codependent that I'm so concerned for the church that if we stripped away all the lights and put on those fluorescent ones, we wouldn't know what to do. Like roaches in a light. You're like, where do I go? They're going to see me pray. They're going to see me sing. They might even hear me today. I mean, just think about it. How we like to hide when we come in church. Hide our voices. Man. For they hear your words. And that's where it ends. My prayer, my hope for us. And I'm watching my time. And I wanted to begin this way today with the word. As I hope you put these words into practice. No sermon will change your life. It's what you do with the sermon that changes your life. It's not me. It's what you do with them. My hope for you, as long as you want to make brave a church that you would call home or a place you show up, is that you would take the words that we sing and you'd actually do them. I dream of the day that when we sing songs about getting on your knees, all of you drop to your knees. In the, in the context that you live it out. That's why we're here, isn't it? We have another core value that we are the church. We're not spectators. Don't come here to watch. You can do that now from the comfort of your chair at home. The church comes to gather to glorify their king. to bow before him, to worship him. Not to be entertained. To take the words that the typically a communicator, a speaker, somebody hears, a person gets edified through prayer, through worship, through song, through teaching. They'll put them into practice. Okay. Someone give me the privilege to say be real. Thank you, Megan. You email Megan, 
at Brave Cares at wearebrave.church if you have any questions about what I'm about to say. <laughs> okay. Why do we have to teach on the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over and over again? You ever tell your child something over and over and over again and you get sick of telling them? And then you, and then you, then you just start resulting into timeouts or spanking or something. I don't know what, you take away things. You ever told your child to do something one time and then they did it? You're like, oh, this is great. You ever done that before? Have you ever had your child obey you the first time? You're like, this is a joke. And you're like, yes, they got it. And then like the next day, it's like, you did so good yesterday. I said, put your shoes away. You put your shoes away. This was great. I rewarded you. I gave you ice cream. I gave you $5 bill. I told you how amazing you are. And the next day, shoes are kicked all over the place. Anybody ever lived there before? It's like, you kidding? I just want you to put these words into practice. From now and forever, I hope that as long as you're at Brave, every word that I preach, every song that we sing, I pray that you put them into practice and you do not show up like these people did to be entertained. Please don't be entertained here. Last verse, and then we'll sing and we'll pray. 2 Kings chapter 4. Be persistent in prayer. It's a house of prayer. And then take the words you hear when you pray and put them into practice. I'm going to say it again so you catch where we're going. Be persistent in your prayers. Remember, it's in a fight like the black guy. Be persistent. Keep fighting. Recognize where you are. Two, this is a house of prayer. It's not a house of entertainment. It's a house of prayer. And we're to take what we get in prayer and put it into practice. Because prayer is where you discover God's will. So if prayer is where you discover God's will, I'm going to keep praying till I get to God's will. By the way, let me just say something about prayer. Did you ever used to, when you were a kid, knock on someone's door and run? Bernie, you... (laughs) Bernie, how old are you? Yeah. When was the last time you knocked on someone's door and took off running? (laughs) Don't lie, Bernie. Yesterday. (laughs) Got him. I'm with you. Everybody did that, right? We knocked on those doors and take off running. I think sometimes you come to prayer, you knock on a door, you don't wait around long enough for him to answer, and you jolt off to work. And you wonder why you haven't got your answers. Because the one who seeks finds knocks and the door gets opened it's like this persistency thing and the reason God wants you to be persistent in your prayer is not because he didn't hear you the first time it's because he's trying to do something in you and it's taking you that long to get there so if it's taking you like an hour to get to where you need to be it's because that's for you not for him I heard you the first time, but I'm trying to do something in you as I cultivate my will in your life. So I need you to stay persistent, keep fighting, keep listening, keep seeking, and then put the words into practice when you finally get them delivered to you. Your life will be forever changed if you actually do what I just told you. Pray persistently. 
When you come here to the house of prayer, come ready and expecting to get a word from him. In your life, when you go on Monday and Tuesday, you do the same. It's pray continually. You live that way. And then you take his words and you actually do them. All right, last one. 2 Kings 4. One day the widow, or 2 Kings, yeah, chapter 4. One day the widow of a member, I don't think we have this up on the screen. Oh, yeah, we do. One day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, my husband has served you, is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord, but now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons and turn them into slaves. What can I do to help you, Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she says, I have nothing. I don't have a thing. I don't have a talent. I don't have an ability. I don't have anything. I have no knowledge of your word. I don't have anything. I don't know how to pray. I don't know who to pray to. I don't have anything. I have nothing at all. But then she says, oh yeah, I forgot. Actually, I do have a little flask of this olive oil. That's all I got. Now, Elisha's a prophet, which means he speaks God's words. And so, her husband was a prophet, likely to be a prophet with Elisha. Maybe Elisha knew the prophet, knew he was a man of God. So this is a woman of God. And Elisha says, go borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. In other words, you can't do this miracle alone. If you want a healing in your life, you can't do this one alone. If you want to see a breakthrough in your family, you can't do this one alone. You're going to go have to get a community of people and get people around you to see a breakthrough in this one. Because you need a miracle in your life, but you can't do that one alone. You see, here's my point. It's a house of prayer. It's a house of worship. But it's also a house of worship in the context of gathering in prayer. The church was intended that the body of believers would come together and pray together. Because amazing things happen when people pray together. So he says, I want you to go include, I want you to gather the community to make sure this miracle is about to happen because a breakthrough is about to happen. But first, I need you to pray together. I need you to involve the community in this one. I know you're not there yet, but you'll get there. So go get some jars, empty jars, empty jars. It's fascinating to me in this story that he didn't say, go see if someone else has oil. Is there any neighbors who have oil? I'm certain there was people who actually had oil, but I don't want you to go seek out someone who has oil. I want you to go get something that's empty. I want you to get empty jars. Man. Why would he say go get empty jars? Okay, then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Very similar to prayer. Pour olive oil from the flask and the jars, setting each one aside when it's filled. So she did as she was told. She put it into practice. And her sons kept bringing jars to her all the time. They just kept coming and coming and coming. And she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said. There's no one left. It's not anymore. And then the oil stopped flowing. Just wonder, is anyone empty today? Empty. 
think God wants you to be empty. I think God's looking for people like these jars who will come empty, not full of their own agenda, full of their own plan. I think he's looking for churches who will empty themselves out first. I'm looking for people who will empty themselves out so that I can fill them to the brim. Oil was symbolic for the presence of the Holy Spirit. If you were to turn to Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, which today, by the way, is the day of Pentecost, they were all filled with God's Spirit. And it all came as a result of the church coming together and praying in one accord, one heart, one mind, one purpose. The church just prayed, and Jesus showed up, and the church launched. But I think what made that special environment happen in Acts chapter 2 was that the people were empty. Their master had just ascended back to heaven. And it's been 10 days of waiting. I want you to follow me with this. Then we're going to invite you to sing and pray. This is where it comes together. 40 days, Jesus comes back and is with his followers. Oh, thank God he's here. And then he's gone. And then he says, go make disciples. No, he actually said, wait. Final words of Jesus before he ascends to heaven is wait. He says, wait until you receive the power of my spirit. Wait until you get the helper. Wait until you get the spirit. Wait until you get filled. Don't go out of these doors today empty. Make sure you get filled. Make sure you get filled. But before I can fill you, you have to empty your plans. You have to empty your agenda. You have to empty it. You have to empty it. I believe Jesus has a word for somebody, so I'm going to flip to one more verse. You don't have to flip there. Luke 18. Once a religious leader asked Jesus the question, Grand teacher, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus asked him. Only God is truly good, but to answer your question, you know the commandments. You can't commit adultery, you can't murder, you shouldn't steal. The man replied, I've obeyed all these commands. I'm doing everything you told me to do. When Jesus heard this, he said, there is still one thing you haven't done. There's one thing that you lack. You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and then you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And when he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? If you were to study the text further, you'd find out the real issue in the man was submission. Full surrender. You see, you showed up to church, you read, you've done all these good things, you're a nice guy, you're a nice woman, you've done some good things, but truth be told, you are not empty. Truth be told, you're like a half-filled jar, and I can't fill you all the way until I have complete surrender. And the man walks away sad because he recognizes this is going to cost me everything. Humility is about to take complete control of my life. And surrender is going to have to occur.
today and our last minutes together. I'm going to invite you to do the one thing that I know Jesus came to tell you to do. I want you to pray persistently. I want you to keep knocking. I want you to keep seeking. I want you to fight like you've never fought before. I want you to go after Jesus today. And we've created space. We're watching your children. They're fine. You have space today to go after Jesus. And for some of you, you need to surrender. Everything that you know and ask God to fill you to the brim. Surrender. And maybe it is money and wealth, just like this rich man. They had the money and cars, vacations. Jesus said, that has become your idol. You slave for that money every week. And you're a slave to your money. And it's what you think about. It's all you think about. It's how you can accumulate more and more and more. And wealth has become your idol. It's what your mind is on the most. It's what you're focused on the most. And you, f- you panic and freak out. What would happen if your money stopped coming in and worry takes over as if you forgot there's a God who provides food to the sparrow. And there's a God who loves you. It's trust. So many Americans today trust in their bank account way more than they trust in their God. And don't be surprised if God will empty your bank account to get you to look up at him. Don't you forget who your provider is. Don't trust in your wallet. Don't trust in your bank account. Don't trust in the stock market. Don't trust in it. That's why some people panic. If this happens, what's going to happen? What's this happens? What's going to happen? God is still on the throne. He still provides. So I will be okay. I want to invite you to surrender today. Ben, would you come forward? Would you close your eyes right where you are? I've created and allowed with just the time. When I say I create, I'm giving you space. I just want you to go after Jesus like you've never gone before in your life. That's it. I want you to call out to him, cry out to him. You can come forward and kneel down if you need to. Because as the Holy Spirit tells you to do that, you should just do it because you should put it into practice. Just come forward because he said so. And no other reason. Kneel down because he said so. Today we give it all up. Or we give up this church to you today. And you just have your way, Jesus. I'm going to turn over to the Lord and you and just let you free. Would you be free to worship? Can we turn this into a house of prayer today? Can we get out of our own little comfort zones and everything we know about church and set it all down for just a minute and come after a king, a father who loves us? Whatever you need to say, whatever you need to do, you just do that. The altar is open. And I'm telling you, man, when it comes to the altar thing, 
moving. I've seen this in my life where God will say, you need to move up there and you'll say, why? And you'll say, just do it. And you'll say, why? And it's not like there's something special at the altar as if the presence of God isn't in the back too. It's just really about what he's trying to do in your heart. Would you come to the throne and say, God, I need you. I want a breakthrough. I want to be free to worship you without fear, without worry. I want to be open to everything that you have for my life. I lay it down. Confess your idols. Confess the things that have you so entangled, that make you so worried and nervous about, and the things you think about the most. Set them down and put Jesus at the center of your attention. Just Jesus. He's worthy. strength and it's funny how God works because I feel not strong and he I have to wake up I have to be up here be vulnerable I'm scared my hands are shaking I've been singing in ministry since I was in middle school and for some reason it gets harder hard I feel like I recently more recently I feel like I can't sing the songs without crying because it's hitting me harder it's funny because Andrews every time I'm going to lead a song he tells me I have to start I have to say something and ironically he's not here and whenever I it's time for me to speak. I just look down and he ends up speaking. God works in funny ways, right? I'm just going to sing the song and if you guys want to sing it, just listen to the words and feel it. Maybe you'll feel what I'm feeling. Maybe you'll understand why this is so hard. If you want to stand, if you want to get on your knees, do whatever you need to do. tries to roll over my bones when sorrow comes to steal the joy
And the freedom is in the first step you take. And he wants to invite you to do that. If that is you, it could be a woman, that's fine, but would you come here? You can just get on your knees because I don't, you know, it's you and Jesus. I'm going to keep praying as the men come forward because I think as a man, and I want you to know if you're the men, let this speak to you. Let his spirit prophesy. Let him speak to you. Whatever words may be from him, your whole life is going to change because of this decision. Your wife has been praying for this. Your families have been praying that you would drop to your knees and surrender all. The most manly thing you can do is surrender your life to God fully. And if you're still in the audience, you haven't moved forward yet, as my eyes are closed, I'm not being influenced by, I'm just trying to look for more. But I do still feel like there's somebody out there that has not come forward and you need to, and it is you. It's you. Don't let this moment pass because it's the way that you look at Jesus and say, Jesus, my house, my children, my wife, they're yours. My finances, my money, my company, my business, my it's me. I, I, it's yours. I surrender. If the cry of your heart is, I want to know you more, like I want to know you more, I want to open the Bible and have it make sense. I want to know you greater. It's like the cry of your heart. If those words spoke to you, I invite you to come forward. Amen. Can we stretch our hands out towards the men that are up here? And if you're still in the audience, by the way, and you know you should be here, man, you just come. Unashamedly, you just come. If it takes some people a little bit longer, that's okay. It's really okay. The freedom's in the first step. Not in the last one. Jesus, we pray for these who are kneeling before you. Father, strengthen these men in their homes. God, I pray that like children, they would be broken once again. God is going to break your hearts, men. He's going to show you who he is. Lord, I pray you would reveal yourself more and more to them. Lord, bind them in community with one another. May they be like the men who sharpen one another. Lord, let them be sharpening tools to one another. In their homes, Father, I pray that they would know you greater. Lord, I pray that this moment of surrender would be a forever life change in their life. Man, you stay right where you are. It's fine. You can keep praying. There's not a word for just men in the room. If there's anybody who just wants to take the step, I just want to, I'm going to invite you to do this. This is the last group I think I feel a call, but if you need to come forward because you need to lay something at the altar, you're going to lay your career at the altar. You're going to lay your, your finances at the altar. You need to lay unforgiveness at the altar. You need to lay like your own pride at the altar. I'm going to say it this way. You want to lay down your idol today. 
an idol of pride, an idol of money, an idol of whatever the idol may be. I want to invite you to move forward. You can kneel down, lay down, and just call out to God. Tell him. If you're down here front, by the way, you be praying. You be praying. If you're a couple and you need to come forward, you come forward. If you feel like you want to come up here and pray for somebody, you can come up here and pray for somebody. If you feel like you need to pray for them, if you're married and it's your spouse up here, you want to pray for them, come pray for them. Let's be the church today. Let's make this into a house of prayer. You don't have to be quiet, by the way. You can pray out loud. We're going to give you room. Like You can pray with them. You can speak out loud. You guys want to come forward and pray for somebody? If you feel led, you know, to come pray for somebody. If a man wants to pray with for a man, if you feel led, feel free to do that. Let's turn this into a house of prayer. Jesus, we love you.
Does anyone want to come up and pray for us? Feel like you need to come up here and pray. I'm not surprised. Not a bad thing. Father, so many of us have just been so hungry and thirsty and seeking. Oh God, that we might be in the presence of the Lord, that we can taste and see. your holiness and your goodness is what we chase after. Jesus, you've accomplished so much on that cross. And when we learn of what you have for us, God, through that sacrifice, that it's not just this church thing on Sunday, but it's a living, breathing body of believers that are one with you, Lord. Jesus, your heart is that we worship you in spirit and in truth. And as Ricky speaks every Sunday, Lord, my eyes and my heart are more open to your goodness and the reality that you can bring a body of believers together in spirit and truth. Oh, Lord, would we be a people that are hungry for your word. That we don't settle for watered-down truth. That we don't get offended by what the Bible has to say. And that we can hear the words from Pastor Ricky and we can say, yes, Lord. It might be a little painful, but you are the great physician, God, and your word cuts through. And that we might come here hungry for the word of God. I pray, Lord, and I declare that these people are people that are hungry for the Word of God. That we would not just hear the Word on Sunday, but that we would be devouring it ourselves in our quiet places, Lord God. I pray that we would refuse to just be fed by someone else, but God, that we would be a people that would open the pages and see what you have for us, Lord. But then it wouldn't stop there, God. We want to be people on truth, but we want to be people in the Spirit. We don't want knowledge only. We want to know you intimately, Father. And so I pray that your Spirit would be so present upon each of us and that we wouldn't confine you and we wouldn't let our flesh conform you into what we want you to be, but, Father, that your Spirit would pour over us It would align with the truth, but it would bring the truth alive and that we would be people who could walk this out, not because we're just obedient, but because we're, you know, compelled by love through the Spirit. And Father, I know that these men and these women here have real lives. We all have things going on, Lord. There's pain at this altar. There is pain here. There's struggle. There is loss. 
There is sin. There is confusion. There is worry. There is so much here and in this room. And we just lay it at your feet, Lord, and we know that we cannot do it alone and we cannot do it without you. And so we just acknowledge that there is real trouble here. And we offer it up to you, God, and we say that you alone can bring restoration and redemption to each and every one of our hearts, Lord. And so I just pray that we would feel this sense of burden being lifted, God. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I pray for a rest for all of us, Lord. We love you. We love you, Jesus. It's only by what you've done that we're here. And what a gift it is to be here with you, just to seek you in spirit and truth. I pray in Jesus' name. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for today, God. Thank you for rising up the right people at the right time. Lord, on this day, we remember your presence and how it filled your church and how everyone was changed and how your church launched. That we would read that story thousands of years ago and still it'd be prevalent today that your spirit still lives today. I pray that your church would be encouraged today. May there be spirits uplifted today. If you've made a decision today, something going on in your life, man, don't leave without telling us. Write it down. Send an email. Like, text us. Text me, somebody, our staff. Let us walk through the journey with you, whatever it may be. Maybe it's a celebration. God is doing a new thing in you, and you want to celebrate that. We want to celebrate that with you, too. It takes a community of people to see the miracles of God come forth. Like Jesus, today, I pray brave would never be the same. There would be a church that is passionate about you, your spirit, that we love your teaching, we love your word. May you fill this place with as many as you see. And when they come, may they not come just for attendance purposes, but may they come to be filled by your spirit. And may it overflow into their homes and into their children. May it overflow into the community. Father, may your spirit come, pour out your mercy, pour out your grace. Lord, we want to know you better. Jesus, today is your day. We shall never be the same. This is your house. It is a house of worship. That's why we've come. I have a word, one last thought. Just think about this for somebody, you know. You're going to live eternity worshiping your Father. Eternity is a constant state of worship of God. Why in the world would we complain about an hour and a half? You're going to spend the rest of your life in eternity in worship. An hour on on eternity is nothing. of our praise.
We create this place for you. It is your table. Jesus, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for carving out this Sunday, this Pentecost Sunday. Thank you for carving it out and revealing yourself to us that we might forever be changed. Lord, may we never be the same. May we take every word you've given us and put it into practice. In Jesus' name. We're going to dismiss just as you are and however you are. He's going to keep playing on the keyboard. If you need to go get your children, you can, of course. We will be back next Sunday at 10 a.m. James Dodd Whites, my overseer. Awesome. He's got a word for our church. Um, and so I encourage you to come. Bring a friend, man. Bring somebody with you. Um, again, VBS. If you want to sign up your child for VBS, we encourage you to do that. If you made a decision today, go to Brave Central. Let's, let's, let's be the church, man. Like, just let us know. Um, if you need prayer for something, we're going to have a prayer team, by the way, going forward. I told James this, okay, Megan and Phil. If you need prayer, furthermore, Megan and Phil will be here down front. Can y'all just come here down front, okay? If y'all need prayer for something else, by the way, I know you've prayed a lot, but if you need somebody to stand with you and pray, we're going to do this every week. We're going to have an altar ministry team, men and women up here ready to pray with people. We got to get praying together, church. We got to be okay with praying together, going after Jesus, amen? So, They'll be here for that. If you need something there, go to Brave Central if you need something. We'll see you guys next Sunday at 10 a.m. Take care. Love you guys.